Big Fluff. Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters, a collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. Happy New Year, Chris. Happy New Year, Joe. Did you have a great uh, 2016? No. Wait, yes. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, that was decisive. <laughs> Personally, yes. Work-wise, no. Pop culture icons, definitely not a good year. No, no, um, it certainly wasn't. Yeah, but on a whole, as a whole, it was all right. Yeah, yeah. I had um, I had kind of a rough year, mm-hmm. um, you know what I mean, with a lot of things. Uh, but you know what? We're looking forward. Mm-hmm. We're looking into 2017. Uh, this is our very first episode of 2017. Yeah. We made it. We made it. Phew. If you're listening to this, you made it through 2016. Yeah. No, we just had to make it through four more years. Oh, oh, Joe. Oh. <laughs> we weren't going to get political. I, we made a promise. Did we? I don't. I don't remember no, this no, promise. No, no. I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's you didn't fine. tweet it to me. I didn't. I didn't know. <laughs> but um, yeah. So we're going into 2000, uh, 2017. We mm-hmm. have a lot of new listeners we gained in 2016. Mm-hmm. All five uh, of them. No, we gained a lot more, but <laughs> but you know what? We do have about uh, you know a good handful of people who are mm-hmm. who are emailing and mm-hmm. uh, getting in touch with us about different things. A lot of really good folks, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that's kind of a new thing for us. For, yeah, for, you know, this past year, it's a so, it's a fun thing. I think it's a very fun thing. You and know? we also gained a new podcast to our network. We have. We gained The Stoop, right? Mm-hmm. The Stoop is a new part of our podcast network, uh, mm-hmm. Peaks Loft. And uh, I, I just want to let everybody know, I was texted by a listener of this podcast and theirs uh, and was told that the last time we talked about The Stoop, mm-hmm. uh, that what I said about it was wildly inaccurate. <laughs> An egregious error. <laughs> well, I, I think what it was is I, I had, I had, I've actually been listening to them for a long time. Uh-huh. And, you know, back in the day, they used to put them all out at the same time. Now, uh, they're much more structured mm-hmm. uh, episode based where they, they have a, you know, a, a basic idea of what they're going to do. Right, like and a topic or something. A topic. And then they, and then they do different stories, you mm-hmm. know, the, they do their... Because it's a storytelling podcast, right? They where do they, like what three or four different stories per podcast? Yeah, they about that topic. Of, so, yeah, okay. and it's a, it's, it, I, I love it. I've been listening to it now for, I guess, the past few months, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's great. In fact, I have to like have to catch up now because I'm, I'm getting a little bit behind. behind. I'm, I'm so behind on all kinds of podcasts, man. Yeah, me too. So, you know what? What here? So here's, so here's what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, I will. I'll find out about another podcast. That I really, really like. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, let me just throw out this one. I love the stoop and I love We Have to Ask. Mm-hmm. And I love Hobo Radio. They're all, you know, personal favorites of mine, which is why we are on the network with them. Yeah. But there's a few other ones that aren't on the network that I absolutely adore. History Goes Bump. Yeah. Uh, and one of my favorites that I've been listening to recently is called Heroes and Villains. Okay. Uh, a guy named Bruce Leslie. And he picks like a villain or he picks a hero. And like he from comic books, yeah, comic books, TV, anything, you mm-hmm. know, any kind of pop culture. So he'll pick like one day he'll pick, you know, Chewbacca, or he'll pick, <laughs> you, you know, well, I don't even think he's done Chewbacca yet. But I was trying to get him to do the goon, but oh, I don't, yeah, 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 but I don't, I don't know if the goon is that uh, is that well known as of yet. But mm. you know, so he'll he'll basically pick uh, Shazam a or guy and a Captain guy. Marvel or whatever, and then discuss them. So oh. I absolutely adore this podcast. So I've been listening to it like nonstop, Mm -hmm. which puts all my other podcasts on hold. (laughs) That's what it happens every time I find a new podcast. Because you got to do the the whole back catalog, The whole back catalog to catch up. Right. And then I've been listening to like a Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. or rather, actually, it's it's a world of ice and fire because they talk about the books called Davos Fingers. Uh, that's the name of it. Uh, yeah, and they I call know. themselves like the fingerlings or something. Where it's, <laughs> fingerlings. So they all talk about it. I'm only through like, I'm only like halfway through the second book right now. So, okay. so there's just, just a couple of the podcasts I've been listening to. I really like and have nothing to do with our podcast whatsoever. Well, but, and the great thing, it's, it's like a modern internet TV now. Like there is so much to listen to. Oh yeah. You have, you have to, yeah. You, you got to search it out. 
Now. That's what I'm saying. And right now is like prime time for me because I don't mm. listen to all like my uh, The Flash and the Green Arrow podcasts and stuff that I listen to because they're all on winter break and like oh. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm like kind of right now I'm kind of in between where I can knock out a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's so, not your first rodeo though. It's not my first rodeo. <laughs> all right, Joe. But since this is our very first podcast of the year, mm-hmm. um. We wanted to talk about firsts. Yeah. Uh, famous firsts. Infamous firsts. Uh, strange firsts. Strange firsts. But yeah, I, I thought that it being, it's, an, it's a new chapter for us, new year for everyone. Yeah, it was a fun, light episode, and we can just kind of go through and, you know, talk about a lot of them. Yeah, I think some of our favorite firsts throughout history. Mm-hmm. Some interesting stuff that we came about. And, and you know what is great about famous firsts or mm. interesting firsts is uh, is that we can milk this for several times over. Forever. <laughs> we, we might have to do this uh, at the beginning of every year from here on out where yeah, we do. It's, it's like a, the, our notables. Right. Series, yeah, it's you know, in in the same vein of notable notable animals. So before we start talking about actual historical firsts, do you have any firsts that that stick in your mind in your own your own life? Well, I I can I think about the first time I saw my son. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when he popped out. <laughs> he, uh, I just remember looking at him in the the little incubation chamber thing that they put wait, him wait. in. Incubation, 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 <laughs> the incubation chamber. Thank you. The incubation chamber. Okay, yes. And uh, looking at his sweet, adorable little face, uh, as yellow as it was, he was born with that jaundice mm. stuff where they mm-hmm. had to like put little baby sunglasses on him and put him in the UV light like he was a blacklight poster Is or whatever. Roy Arbison, baby? I, yeah, no. They, they have, like, if they're born with the jaundice stuff, they have to, like, put him in a, you yeah, know, and, like, shine the blacklight on him. Yeah, you know? it's like a chicken warmer to or something. To gain, like, powers or something. I'm not <laughs> sure exactly. gain powers. Yeah, like, uh, like um, you know, like... <laughs> He he has he gains uh, from you know from the yellow sun he gains power you know yes exactly right so but anyway so I looked down at him and he had this little dimple on his chin and the the dimple on his chin I looked at him and I said well Dana he's definitely yours because she's got the cleft chin yeah you know what I mean. Uh, so I, I mean, he, he just had the exact same thing. I was like, oh man, he definitely doesn't have my chin. That's for sure. <laughs> Do you have one, Joe? I have a lot of them. Yeah. But I think everybody does. Everybody's life is their own. And like you, we all share certain moments, you know, like the birth of my son. Like I remember that. Yeah. The first time I, I, I drove a car, the first time I got drunk, the impactful ones, you know, those always stay. I remember the first time you get through a, a tennis racket. Yeah, that was that was a fun one. <laughs> I didn't think I could do that because I had these large birthing hips. <laughs> yeah, I, I always remember the first time I, I put down a sword for the for the very first time because I was so excited that it was down in me. I wanted to be like woohoo, but you know, you like couldn't. whoopee, but you can't you're, because oh, you're literally oh. like oh, oh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Joe. I know you usually do this, but uh, I decided to pull it up, so I'm gonna. I'm just gonna bust out with it. What's that? The uh, the entomology Et- of of first. The what? Entomology. <laughs> Etymology. Yes. Which one is bugs? Entomology is okay. Bugs. Etymology. Etymology. Yes. Et- etymology of of first. This is from from the uh, etymology online etymology dictionary. Mm-hmm. Old English first. F Y R S T meaning foremost, going before all others, chief or principal. In Dutch, it is voiced, or the German first. <laughs> the usual Old English superlative was not F-Y-R-S-T, but forma, which shows more clearly the connection to for, or be for. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Forma became Middle English firm, F-I-R-M-E, meaning first or earliest, but this did not survive. Uh, so we're left with first hmm. instead of first or for yours. For yours. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that was a first that you've done the, uh, the etymology. Yeah, it was the, it's, it's, it's a new year, Joe. <laughs> so we can break down almost anything 
into this category. So there really is no etymology or origin that we would normally talk about. Things like sports, culture, science, exploration, politics, film, broken down into things like race, class, like the first for everything, you know, and especially if it's recorded. Right. That's, that's, I think the most important thing is it's in recorded history because there's things like the first drinking straw was probably 5,000 years old from Egypt because back in those days, the Sumerians drank beer with a straw. Yeah, actually, uh, I know a little bit about it if you want me to. Sure. To... Uh... To expand that a little bit. And hallucinate on that? So, well... Incubate. Incubate. (laughs) Intubate. (laughs) And I I, I partially know about this because of my homebrewing roots, but uh, when they used to brew beer, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like in ancient Egypt and places like that, Mm -hmm. they would not separate the trube, which is like basically your kind of like yeasty cast off. Yeah, well, it's, right? it's yeast, your grain remnants, um, hop any, remnants, any sediment from fruits or additives that you throw right. in there. Yeah, it's anything that either falls to the bottom or sometimes you have some on the top because it likes to, like, you have like some weird foam that mm-hmm. likes to hang out on top or on top of what you would know today on your beer as your head, yes. you would have like a lot of like yeasty stuff just hanging out on right. top of that. Mm-hmm. So you would have a straw that you would put into that. So you could put it in between in between the two layers of grossness. In betwixt. In betwixt <laughs> the the two layers of grossness, the yep. the the, the, the foam on, on the bottom. Yeah, foam on top and mush on the bottom. Yeah. So it's basically like if you were drinking a milkshake, you didn't want to put it all the way down to the bottom or, you know, suck up the, the, the what the is cool this stuff whip. on the cool whip on the top or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're literally just getting the middle of it. And okay. and that's why the straw was basically invented. Well, huh. I mean yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of lost to history, but that's what we think. Right, because most most of the beers back in those days were probably super thick and chunky and lumpy, like like uh, like porridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or like uh, like Tej. Have you ever heard of Tej? Mm-hmm. That you know where it's you know there's like it's a type of mead where well I I think we talked about it during our mead episode yeah. all back to the mead episode mm-hmm. uh, but you know there's like chunks of like bee floating in it a lot of the time yeah <laughs> you know yes. stuff like that and the straw is to suck the good part out mm-hmm. you know what I mean so and we'll also talk about things that we've kind of skirted on before like some of the first explorations call back to our polar expeditions episode oh yeah that was a fun one one of my favorites was the Roald Amundsen, uh, 1926, was recognized for being the first to reach the North Pole. Right. And also people like James Cook, Captain James Cook, from 1773, he became the first person to cross the Antarctic Circle. Some first in the Explorer's column, of course, we had Mr. Christopher Columbus and not the director, uh, the actual Explorer, 1492. What did he do, Chris? Remember um, your middle school? I believe he was, uh, <laughs> he, he sailed that ocean blue. That's right. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he probably was not the first. To, uh, to reach the Americas. Right. That was, that's probably from uh, the Viking Leif Erikson uh, dating back to the 10th century. Yeah. So. I, I just think it's really funny. There are a lot of people that, that what, what is it? I've always wanted to read. There's a book uh, called 1491 that I keep on hearing about, hmm. and it's it's basically about like you know what happened in the Americas before Columbus showed up, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I just I find that really intriguing. Then there was people like 1932 Amelia Earhart, the first transatlantic solo flight by a woman flying from Newfoundland to Ireland in 15 hours. Not to be whatever. I've driven for 15 hours straight. Before. I, I, <laughs> it's I mean, not I've done it. Fun. I've done it. It's not fun. It sucks. But I, I gotta imagine like the, 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 just the auditory decibels of the airplane compared to you know being in a nice quiet van for 15 hours is a little yeah. bit of a different. A little different. Yeah. 1953, Sir Edmund Hillary with the Sherpa guide Tenzing Norgay became the first men to climb Mount Everest. Man, 
I want to do an Everest episode too. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm we've telling, always we talked should about do, it. Yeah, that and maybe K2. Yeah. That'd be a fun episode. Yeah. Like, we'll call it Death on the Mountain. <laughs> okay, let's talk some first in sports. Now, me and you are usually last in sports. Yeah, we are not we are not big huge sports ball people. No. no. I mean, it's I know it exists. Mhm. Past that, uh, meh. <laughs> I did go to my very first, uh, well, not very first, my, my wife went to her very first baseball game. Mm-hmm. I've been to uh, Camden Yards quite a few times okay. as, a, as a kid. The first but, uh, time I went, mm-hmm. I fell asleep. Did you really? Yes. We didn't get to see a baseball game because oh, really? it just rained the entire uh-huh. time. I drank beer and it rained and the whole game rained out. You we didn't even get a chance to see you anything. You can't play sport ball in the rain? No. No, appa- no, apparently not. Hmm. Interesting. So the first marathon probably dates back to 490 BC. In the Greek legend, it says that a messenger by the name of, maybe this is right, Philodipides. Mm-hmm. Sounds kind of silly sounds to me. Sounds good to me. Okay. Ran from the Battle of Marathon to Athens to declare that Greece had won. And in doing so, he collapsed and died after delivering the message. Right. So they named that feat of him running from Marathon, which is a place, to Athens, which was also a place. They named that feat a marathon. Right, which is, I believe, how we get the length of a marathon today. Is it? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I think that if I ran a marathon, I would also die at the end of it. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's 26.2 miles is, is exactly what a marathon is. Yes. 1875, Matthew Webb became the first person to swim across the English Channel. 1903, Maurice Garin was the first to win the Tour de France, which is a bicyclite mm, sport. Right. There's no, I don't think there's any sp- balls in that sport, but... No, no, it's still sports. Yeah. We joke around saying sports ball, but there (laughs) are other sports that you can do without balls. (laughs) But don't, boom. All right, Joe, so I I have one, since you're talking about bicycles here. Uh Uh-huh. Okay? This is is one of my favorites, all right? I've picked out a couple of stories, but this is one of my favorites here. Mm -hmm. I wanted to tell you basically about the very first bicycle. Now, Hmm. a lot of people would call this... A proto bike. So it's, were the wheels square? No, no, no. The wheels were round. Okay. But it has no drivetrain. Okay. So it has no oh, pedals. Gotcha. All right. This all began uh, in 1817 when a man named Carl Drace created his running machine. Uh, it's basically the history of the bicycle. Born in 1875 in southwest uh, Germany. And he was Baron Karl Drace. He was one of the most creative German inventors. Uh, Now, here's the problem, was that he was kind of an aristocrat, and he actually, he backed the failed revolution in 1848, and he was ridiculed by his contemporaries because he was a uh, Democrat Mm. at the time. So he was hated by most of his fellow aristocrats, and in fact, he actually... uh, Almost died in a uh, in a assassination attempt uh, at one point in time in his life. He went to Brazil for a few years uh, before returning to his native Germany in 1838. When that's when he survived the assassination attempt because of his support of the revolution. Uh, now his inventions were very numerous. So he invented a 25 key typewriter, a meat grinder, a contraption to record piano music on punched paper the stenotype machine, pedal-powered quadrocycle, uh, and uh, although, like, his meat grinder mm-hmm. is still in use today yeah, in many I've, countries. I've used one of those. A normal meat grinder. Yeah, he was the one the, that, the table and... Yeah, he yeah. was the one that invented that. That's awesome. Right, yeah. Uh, even though most of those inventions are still kind of today, the, the, the one that isn't around is the Lefeu machine, or the running machine. Hmm. It's the ancestor of the bicycle. Uh, and it looks a little crazy. In fact, I'm going to show you a picture of it right here. Cute, right? That looks super uncomfortable. It looks a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. It's kind of like a scooter, but a bicycle-shaped scooter, right? Yeah, but they're, it's just sort of like snug your your 
bits. Yeah, but it's the same like thing a... with a bicycle. It snugs your bits. Yeah, it's... but you're on a little seat, and it's sort of like cushioned with your your hram. You know, it's all sort of like. Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely think it would give you some taint pain. Okay, but <laughs> that's what I was looking for. Yes. So, when, taint but it's pain. So, when you were a kid, did you ever play? Did you ever have like a little horse? Like you would play horsey. You had like a stick. With like a horse no, head on the end or I never anything? Had, never had any of that? No. I've no? seen them. I, I knew kids who had. I just well, never had one. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. You kind of get it all up in your, in, like you say, your hrum. Mm-hmm. You just kind of put it all in there and you <laughs> run around. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is basically like the same idea, but it had two wheels on each end. Right, right. So it, it so, kind of looks like, uh, you ever seen the Amish bikes? Mm-hmm. Where it looks like a bicycle. Right. But in the middle, there's just a, like a flat deck. Yeah. So it's like a scooter bike. Yeah. That's basically what this is, except okay. for except for you are kind of sitting on it, right? Whereas the the, the Amish version, you're standing. You, you would stand. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it was an instant, although short-lived, international excess, uh, success. It was called the Drastine in Germany, or the Velocipede in France. Velocipede. That's mm-hmm. awesome. And it was also alternatively known as the Hobby Horse or the Dandy Horse in England. Uh, and that's an allusion to the fact that the dandy horses riders were most mostly dapper men with way too much money on their hands. Yeah. Because people couldn't afford them otherwise. Right. And all the, the curls and makeup they could, you could throw a stick at. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they're powdered wigs and, and whatnot. <laughs> exactly. And, and, they're, and they're dandy horse. Mm-hmm. So they would basically ride around these proving that they were kind of like uh, these European eccentric dandies now mm-hmm. not everybody uh er, some people eye this with skepticism and i have a a, a baltimore tie-in here hmm. this was from a pundit in the baltimore morning chronicle had written every species of transatlantic nonsense it would seem is capable of exciting curiosity no matter how ridiculous hmm. yeah and that's what he that's what uh, this baltimore pundit had written about the the dandy horse or the hobby horse. Nice. So basically, a lot of people bought it. Uh, a lot of people thought that it was uh, kind of dumb. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, even though it was short lived, it was basically you know, like I said, the the precursor of the of the bicycle. Nice. So he was granted what's called a privilege, which is a early type of patent ah, by yes. the Grand Duke of Baldania in 1818. For the running machine, but it expired on only after five years, and a lot of people started copying his intellectual property after that time. Uh, and you know, and and people started you know taking the idea, changing modifying it, modifying it, modifying it, yeah. adding drivetrains. He also mm-hmm. had a, another version that was a trike, a three wheel, and a quad that was a four wheel that basically did the exact same thing. Huh. If you could imagine, like, you know how the Flintstones run, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? That That's basically the same thing, but on a, t- you know, like a wooden bicycle. Mm-hmm. So it was all made out of wood, hand-carved, made out of wood. Oh, wow. But imagine the splinters. Eey. Right. So I have, like, kind of a tie-in to something that happened a little recently. Mm-hmm. In 2005, an Austrian by the name of Walter Werner rode the entire length of the Danube on a hobby horse from the Great River source in the Black Forest to the Black Sea. It took wow. him five months to cover the distance, more than 3,400 kilometers. He reportedly, even the monks of Romania, who were familiar with all kinds of otherworldly phenomena, were greatly stunned. And in Germany, there are little miniature versions of this, uh-huh. of, the, of the hobby the horse or the, what was it called? Velocipede. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, little, you know, the little running machines have actually made a comeback called glade bikes or glide bikes rather mm-hmm. uh for little two and three year olds oh see that makes sense like, right like it would be like a kid's toy like a scooter or something yeah right? any anything that moves because everybody knows that like teaching a kid how to ride a bike is freaking hard to do it can be tough my kid's eight and i still can't get him to ride an actual bike <laughs> he'll ride a scooter and be uh-huh. comfortable with it but it's the idea of like getting up on those pedals and get getting moving before you fall over. Right. So if you had one of these when you were like you know three four years old and you're kind of pushing along, well you, and you have, get the idea like, of the gyroscope. Yeah, but you always have that sort of like three points of contact: the tires and at least one foot could be one down. One foot. You yeah. Know? So for yeah. kids, it's probably a lifesaver for their mental well-being. Getting getting used to riding a bike. Right. I just think it's really cool. That's a that's a pretty good first for me. Mm-hmm. The, the first bicycle. Hmm. Uh, proto bike 
first bike. I'll call it the first bike. I'm calling it right here on this podcast. Yeah, I thought the first gonna, bicycle. I thought you were going to talk about those fixed gear bikes. Uh, the the hipster fixed gears bikes. <laughs> yeah. No, I wasn't going to talk about those. <laughs> okay. But, I, there's nothing wrong with them. No, I mean, no. But why would you do that to a, a mountain bike or a street bike? Would they take mountain bikes and do that to them? Yeah, they'll take the the main drivetrain off that has all the different gears and they'll yeah. put a single gear there so you oh, have... I thought it was like I thought it was like they were just stealing taking the baskets off no and stealing them from their moms or something but no. you're telling me that they're actually like yeah that... they they take a nice mountain bike and turn it into a fixed wheel yeah uh, a fixed gear bike why so you have I don't know fashionable. I have no clue I don't fashionable. understand it you know what I'm calling it. The next one is going to be the velo. What is it? The velocitube. I don't even remember what it's called. <laughs> Velocipede. The velocipede. The the, Feet. E- the the next thing. Speedfoot. All the hipsters are going to be riding around on velocipedes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, velociraptors will get them. <laughs> we have to ask. It's the podcast where we answer the question: Are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We We Have have to Ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peaksloth Network at peaksloth.com. So you brought up democracy. One little thing I want to throw in here. 508 BC was the, the first attempt to introduce the concept of democracy on a significant scale in the ancient land of Greece. It's called the Democratic Reforms of Planethenes. 1215, the Magna Carta was the first chapter which sought to limit power of kings by law. The Magna Carta established principles of habeas corpus. Where you get that? Mm-hmm. 1542, Spain enacted the first European law, the Luez Nueves, abolishing colonial slavery. 1789 was the first amendment to the U.S. Constitution allowing freedom of thought and religion. 1870, Jefferson Long became the first African-American elected to the U.S. House of Representatives from Georgia. 1981, Sandra Day O'Connor was the first female U.S. Supreme Court justice. All right. All right. So, Joe, since you were talking about politics, Mm -hmm. I wanted to tell you a little bit about Wyoming. Okay. Okay. This was in 1869. Now, the first time I drove through Wyoming, Mm -hmm. I almost fell asleep. I, I I absolutely believe that. And I was driving. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Absolutely believe that. So, uh, so here's what's crazy about uh, Wyoming and at this time in 1869, Wyoming uh, granted women the right to vote. They were motivated by interest in free publicity rather than their commitment to the gender equality. Oh, so, wow. So they were just doing it for a PR move? Yeah, yeah. So basically, okay, in 18... So, all right, so let me... You know, women's suffrage was, you know, all about trying to get women the right to vote. And it was ratified mm-hmm. August 18th, 1920, okay? <laughs> yes. Uh, now, you know, go almost 50 years before uh-huh. in uh, 1869... Uh, in, in Wyoming. In Wyoming, uh, at the time, there were only about 6,000 adult males uh, in the entire... It wasn't even a state at the time. It, it was, was a, a territory. Right. And at the time, there was only about 1,000 females, mm-hmm. uh, which means that the men out... Well, I was going to say outweighed, but that's not true. <laughs> they probably uh, did that, too. Yeah, but, uh, but they, you know, they num- outnumbered the women six to one. Yeah. Area men had hoped that the, it would be more likely for women to settle in this rugged, isolated country, you know, territory. <laughs> oh, wait, I know it. <laughs> it's that whole thing at, at, at a, your high school or college friend's party when it's just a bunch of dudes, and they're like, man. We need yeah, to, the we Wyoming know. territory was a sausage party, basically, at the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Somebody needs to get to, to know more ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so... So even though, like, the suffrage movement leaders supported the idea, Mm -hmm. uh, there were, you know, many people in that that definitely did not support the idea at the time. That's hogwash. So there was territorial secretary Edward M. Lee, who -hmm. championed the cause for years, argued that it was unfair for his mother to be denied a privilege granted to African-American males at the time. Hmm. So he was was definitely a, a major backer of it. 
Right. He wanted equal rights for for everybody. Mm-hmm. Good. William Blight, a territorial legislator who was in his mid-40s, uh, had a persuasive young wife who convinced him that denying women uh, the white right to vote was a gross injustice, and it actually went through. It it, it completely passed. So it passed in, what, 1869? In 1869. And then 50 years later... 50 years later... The rest of the, the country... The rest of the country followed suit. That sounds about right yeah. for America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what do they always say? You, you can't turn a ship on a dime, right? Sure. Something like that. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. No, no, no. It's just like a like a ship doesn't turn. You know, it turns one degree at a time. Right. Right. Okay. And, and that's the that's the whole thing. So there are certain times, you know, where in the country where you get a little bit more progressive. Mm. Say, for instance, you have an African-American president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there can be a big, huge backlash against that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, it just it just happens. Mm-hmm. People get scared. Sometimes it's just a roll of the dice, which, funny enough, the first 12-sided die can probably be traced back 2,000 years ago. Again, to the Egyptians. The first, how many-sided die? 20. The first 20? It wasn't Gary Gygax? (laughs) No. Dungeons and Dragons? Nope. What, so what, what would, who, what, what, I'm sorry, what civilization did this? Made the twenty-sided die. Egyptians. Egyptians. Mm-hmm. So they so they were like the first to make beer, mm-hmm. and the first to have a twenty-sided die. Yeah. What were they role playing? <laughs> I don't know. Gods. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that was the game they called it. Gods. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just says there were sim- symbols carved on each side, almost identical to the shape of a twenty-sided die that we use now. Really. Mm-hmm. The the kind of like. Um, Diamonds shape sort of thing? Mm, uh, it's not really clear what they used it for, but the symbols appear to represent either letters or numbers. Probably some sort of dice game. Oh, it totally... Yeah, it looks exactly like a 20-sided die. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it is... Yeah, it, it's it not exactly, a, like, diamond-shaped. It is... No, it's a little bit different, yeah. But it's geometrical, and it has that lovely pyramid Where each shape. side is a triangle. A pyramid. Yeah, that's cool. You ever go to a vending machine? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first vending machine probably dispensed holy water. <gasps> yeah, I've heard about this. Mm-hmm. Right. Back in 100 BC. So it was invented by someone known as Hero of Alexandria. I'm, I'm assuming that's his first name was Hero and he was from Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Right. Makes Not, sense. I don't think he was the hero We're, of Alexandria. Yeah. From well, that's where lighthouses are from, right? Shh. Alexandria. Yes. Mm-hmm. He engineered a sort of a, a pot with coins, and you'd push them on this little platform, and a little valve would open up, and a little trickle of holy water would come out. Yeah, into a little cup or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you you douse yourself with it, or bless whatever you need to bless. Yeah, you know what I mean for each piece of coin that you put in. Mm-hmm. That was that, probably the first vending machine. Man, I love little things like that, right? Like the little first, the first vending machine, little automatons. Yes, are always my favorite. You know, mm-hmm. little coin operated automatons. And then you see like you know certain things like from the. 50s and 60s, those little tiny wind-up robots and all that. It reminds me of those, you know, crazy automatons from, like, the the 17th century and stuff like that that they would make. Uh, absolutely amazing. Just yeah. really captures my attention. Yeah, I think I still have a handful of those old tin wind-up robots. Really? From the 50s, yeah. I, I love those things. They're so cool. Like, they, you know, a lot of the time they'll shoot sparks from their mouths and stuff like that. <laughs> the you little know? Godzillas, yeah. Yeah, you know, but they're, like, little robots with... Uh, you know, ray cap, guns and yeah, stuff ray shooting guns at you, guns you know? And... You know who, who Henry Ford is, right? Yeah, you can have any color you want as long as it's black. Yeah, right. So Henry Ford, in December 1st, in 1913, mm-hmm. installed his very first assembly line for mass production for an entire automobile. Right. And, I mean, there was a few different iterations. Well, uh, he wasn't the, that's the thing, he wasn't the first to make a car. No. A, a, no. a horseless carriage or an automobile or right. any of those things. He was just the first for assembly lines, right? Yeah, basically making an assembly line. I mean, okay. uh, so the idea is is that he he was inspired by how, like, grain mills would work. They basically had not just the mill that would grind up the grain and turn it into flour. It's called grist. 
grist. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. But they would also have these little conveyor belts that mm-hmm. would take it, and it would drop it into another, you know, container for them to be able to take it out and bring it to wherever they're going to package it. Right. Right. So he saw that sort of thing, and he said, "Hey, what if I do this for my vehicles?" But if I'm going to do this, how you know, would you put flour in your vehicles? Uh, I, I, I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure that that's uh, that's actually what uh, got the Delorean guy in yeah, trouble. John right? Delorean, <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't flour. Oh well, well, we'll save that for our weird vehicles episode. Okay. So, uh, but when he was making the Model T in 1908, he wanted a sturdy, reliable, inexpensive car. But it wasn't inexpensive enough for him. He had to find a way to make them cheaper you know, and faster mm-hmm. uh, in order for everyone to have, uh, you know, a, a reliable vehicle. So right. he went through the Model D and eventually settled on the Model T. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to increase his productivity for years. Uh, there was, oh, oh, I'm sorry, it was the Model N was oh, the, yes, the first the one. N. And then the Model T. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, he skipped so, some letters. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There were, you know, a whole bunch of different steps in it. And what they originally would do is they would lay out all the parts and the people would go, down the line and do it. But then eventually he decided to make the assembly line that was pulled by ropes and pulleys mm-hmm. and it would pull the vehicle to you and you would stay in one place and you were able to bolt your, your part to it right. and then and it would they, move down to the next person. Right. And each station or each stop, each person had what? A handful of things they had to get done within the certain amount of time that it sat there. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, eventually it kept on picking up more speed and uh, it would eventually go about six feet per per, per minute. Wow. Yeah. Was eventually what they, they kind of settled on as, you know, uh, what the mechanical belt would chug along at. Right. So, and, at every, the, and all the people could keep up with it. Right. At that accelerated pace, people were producing more cars. Mm-hmm. June 4th, 1924, the 10 millionth Model T rolled off of the Highland Park assembly line. Wow. Now, uh, you know, this is the very start of Ford. And, you know, the uh, I mean, a, a good company, yeah, you know. I've, uh, I've had several Fords. Right. And uh, I drive one now. Mm-hmm. But uh, something kind of crazy happened uh, in 1979. Okay. Uh, and this calls back to what we were discussing before with the uh, killer robots shooting sparks out of their mouths and whatnot. Okay. Um, a 25-year-old Ford Motor Assembly line worker uh, was working in Flat Rock, Michigan uh, at the casting plant. And a robotic arm, an RUR. RUR what? Well, it's it was called the RUR. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the – they typically do welding – uh, now they do spot painting and, and hole painting and sometimes they even do like placing the parts in positions. Mm-hmm. But it's this big, gigantic robotic arm that are programmed to do... Do you remember Do you remember the... I think I still have it somewhere in a box in an attic. It was called the Armature or the Armatron? Yes, I think so. So basically yeah. you had like six or seven buttons and you pushed in like, like commands and then it would do certain motions and it was like... And it would pick something up. And bring it back to the start position. Right. Yeah. So imagine that on a giant scale and weighing several tons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I do know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they had one of those uh, in a uh, in an escape room that I was using. And we had to figure out and pull a, a key from somewhere. Oh, right on. Right. Yeah. yeah. In, in an escape room that I did with some of my brother-in-laws. Okay. So it was kind of cool. So, but anyway, the, the, uh, it was the robot, uh, and it is, uh, the robot is a Czech word, uh, used for forced labor. It is the Czech word for forced labor. Yeah. Yeah. Now the problem was, is that this robotic arm accidentally slammed into William's head in 1979 and killed him instantly. What? The robot was there to retrieve parts and so was William's. Uh, so this is a standard old case of we both ducked the same time to pick something up. Yeah, I mean, what humans would do, you know, you both bend down to pick up a penny on the and ground and clock. And yeah. you're like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. And that's exactly what happened with this robot, except for the robot one. And it was like, I am sorry. Was <laughs> <laughs> that your robots in your world just beep? Yeah. So, okay. I mean, he was... Mine are creepier. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> here's the thing is that, uh... 
the Williams family was later awarded $10 million in damages because the jury agreed that the robot struck him in the head because of lack of, lack of safety measures. But uh, we're talking 1979. It's not even the, the 1980s yet. Yeah, you know what I mean? So the safety wasn't really invented yet. Yeah. So, you know, there was no safety measure saying that the sound of an alarm when the robot was near or anything like that. Well, so. you'd think they'd have a cordoned off area. You would think with the flailing and the moving of a giant robotic arm, or or, or stay some, out of some velvet area. velvet ropes around something. it, or you know something, you know, but they they didn't. It's all willy nilly and disco pants. Yeah. So even though robots are commonplace today in yeah. today's world, you mm-hmm. know, to to put vehicles together, you know, and uh, a lot of other things. Yeah, I mean, we still use them to vacuum floors, blow up landmines. Uh, rove on Mars, harvest fruit, uh, you know, and I mean, there's a there, there's a conference every year for the past five or maybe ten years mm-hmm. where they talk about things, uh, especially with uh, AI, uh, and especially the one that happened this past year was about sex and robots. Right. I mean, because that is going to happen. It already happens. Yeah, and and also, you know, you have what is it, Asimov's law of uh, of robots? Oh, the, the three the three laws. Three laws, yeah. Yeah. So where like it, you not allowed to hurt a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, always protect thyself unless uh, unless it will harm a human. See answer one. Yeah. See question so, you know, one. So you you have all those, but you know, I don't think this robot was smart enough to to know that. You right. Know, well, it wasn't like it, in, you know, in the 70s. it didn't have AI, you know. Right. And in the 70s, it was just programmed to do X, Y, Z. Right. And whatever got in its way, it was either a part or it, it was, was just supposed a to be big there. Hunking chunk of metal. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you can't really fault the robot. I do want to say, though, that I, at, at one point in time, I was working at a Ford, uh, you know, at a Ford dealership. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, I eventually got, you know, a little bit higher up. But when I very first started, I was just changing oil, okay? And when I was changing oil, some vehicles would come in because you would get your very first oil change for free from the dealership, Mm -hmm. okay? Just a part of the package. First oil change is free. Sure. Uh, We always hated those first oil, free oil changes. First off, you got paid less. But also, uh, trying to get the oil filter off of the vehicle was the hardest thing imaginable. Yeah, yeah. And I could not figure out why until one of the other guys was, you know, had told me. He said, oh, well, that, that, that's been put on by a robot. Yeah. And I said, what? And I looked and I realized, I mean, it had a, it had a, a mm-hmm. factory oil filter. Yeah. And it was literally put on by a robot. Yeah. It's... Yeah, and they spin them on so tight yeah. that you would literally have to like basically almost break the oil filter and well, crunch no, it you, all up, getting it off. Use that little special cranky tool, and man. You just yeah, pop it out. you're talking about like the strap. Yeah, right. It's it's called a strap wrench. Mm-hmm. You can put the strap wrench on, but you know you you would have to put like all your weight. Yeah, it's all about leverage to pull it down. And mm-hmm. as you did, it would actually crush the oil filter. Oh wow. Yeah. So you know that's how hard the robots would put. The oil filters on, so key those I, robots back a few notches. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. Know? I've literally, basically, felt like I fought the robots myself. So and, yeah, and you, you lost. Know? And I, well, no, I always got them off. But I mean, I would, <laughs> I would rip the crap out of those oil filters. Right, them off. right. Yeah, doing that first oil change, man. Mm. It's it's hard to get a robot's oil filter off. This is true. I'm just saying. I know from personal experience. So we're all, while we're on the subject of inventions and science. Let me just go through a few that I, I think are fun. 1668, first reflecting telescope was invented by Sir Isaac Newton of fig fame. No, I'm joking. <laughs> 1911, Marie Curie becomes the first person to win two Nobel Prizes. Curie received the Nobel Prize in physiques in 1903 and the second in chemistry in 1911. She was also the first woman to receive Nobel Prizes in Physics and Chemistry. Mm-hmm. So, pretty awesome. Marie Curie is, uh, is, is a pretty amazing figure. Yeah. I wouldn't mind doing an episode about her. Oh, yeah. And I, I, the just, reason... just her facility, you still can't go into it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, that's crazy. I mean, she, she really did a, a lot for this world. 1887, John Dunlop invents the first practical pneumatic tire. First used on bicycles... 
Right. Like we talked about mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, and later on, motor cars. Right. And Dunlops are still an available S- tire today. Still. 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first men to walk on the moon as part of the Apollo moon landing. And also, we just lost John Glenn, who was the first person to orbit the Earth. Right. Not to mention that uh, we also just lost Carrie Fisher, uh, the first person to orbit my heart. (laughs) That's true. The first woman to orbit my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I still don't know how to handle that one. Oh, well. I, you know what? That was last year, Joe. I know. Looking forward. I know, I know. Looking forward to the new year. This is true. But there, like I said earlier in uh, the beginning of the episode, there, we're humans. We, we've done a lot of firsts because every time we do something new, it's a first. You right. Know? <laughs> so yeah. we've been on this planet for a couple of years, and we've done a few things. Uh, a few things. Yeah, yes. we've done a lot. We've done a lot. I'm just saying. In a wow. short time that we've had, Joe. Yeah. Looking to the future kind of thing for this episode, I'm I'm looking forward to a lot more first for the humans and the robots and everybody in between. Joe, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Any first that you want to do this, this year? New job. A new job. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get that. Because mm. we work together, and yeah. I understand the struggle. The mm. struggle is real. It's very real. Um, I, uh, I want to get to a stoop. I want to go see the stoop live. Oh, okay. I thought you meant this year. sit down on your, on your front porch. No, I want to do that, too. I want to sit down on my front porch, because Dan and I are planning on buying a house this year. That'll so, be a first. Yeah, that'll be a first for me, mm-hmm. uh, so that you can come over and hang out, mm-hmm. and we can sit out back and stare at the fire in my chimnea. Sure. That's what I want to do. Okay. And and drink homebrew and relax. That's what I want to that's what I want to do this year. Okay. And you know, maybe play D&D with some ancient 20-sided die. Some ancient Egyptian 20-sided, 20-sided die. die. We yeah. can't read. Yeah. Well, sure. you know, it doesn't matter. We okay. can figure out the hieroglyphics. They did it and lost. <laughs> that... So, also, I wanted to mention here, we have um we have a, a little gift from uh, from a buddy of ours. Oh, we do? Yeah. Yeah, so I just broke it open. I poured uh-huh. you a glass. I have a glass. It's a, it's a little chilly. Oh, it's frosty. I had it in the freezer for a little bit. I wanted yeah. to get it cold. Uh, we got a Krampus from uh, Southern Tier, mm-hmm. Imperial Hellas Lager. Ooh. And this is from our, our friend Tony E. Uh, you would know Tony E from our canning and bottling episode mm-hmm. as well as our cosplay episode he was mm-hmm. on uh he sent us a couple of glasses that is pretty awesome it looks like uh the top of a uh 20 ounce or uh the top of a, a 22 like upside beer. down yeah so glass. you like pour into it and then it looks like a like like the top of a 22 but mm-hmm. inside the glass yeah yeah and he sent us a krampus beer yeah i like the i like the bottle it's really cool yeah the theme of all his presents were uh were were about our podcasts he yeah. wanted why to, did we get a wiggle worm because we, we talked a about wiggle, worm. wiggle worms <laughs> we talked about uh water willies that's what it is yeah we discussed water willies, water willies before and uh and and the things that you can do with them and that is why we got them you don't remember that so we got vaguely uh, yeah we got water willies we got a, a krampus beer and wow. uh we got some awesome uh beer glasses nice and uh joe clink cheers to 2017 Oh, that's good. Nice and hoppy. Yeah, that is good. Woo! Doesn't make me think of Krampus, but it's good. I like it. Yeah. Absolutely. A nice, uh, good, clean, clean, crisp lager. Mm-hmm. Joe, my New Year's resolution is to try and talk into the microphone. <laughs> You're doing good so far. Am You're I, doing am good. I, I'm You're really doing trying, good. man. I'm trying my best. It's, uh, you know, I'm going to keep on talking into the microphone mm-hmm. instead of out and around it. So by now, uh, we would have had the... Um, Peak Sloth Podcasting Network um, meet and greet, mm-hmm. right? The the live event. The if live you were event. there, you knew how, how awesome it went. If you didn't go, then you're a jerk. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I'm joking. We want to say this is our very first podcast of the year, but we want to suggest send us your ideas. Feedback at the Curioso. Send us your ideas for upcoming podcast episodes Anything you want. Uh, we had our friend Christopher write us in, gave mm-hmm. us a couple of ideas. Um, we've had a few other people write us in, and we want to know 
uh, what you want us to talk about. We'll yeah. discuss it, you know. Send it in. And, uh, you know, if it's uh, something that you're kind of an expert about or you know a lot about it, mm-hmm. we can have you on. Sure. If you're here in Baltimore, we can meet up with you and, mm-hmm. and record it, or you can call in. Yeah. So, Curiosos, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, we hope you return. And if you already listen, thank you, and Happy New Year. And we wish you a great 2017. Thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash Curioso Podcast. You can call our voicemail line, leave us a message, 443-327-9673. On your touchtone phone, that spells Hydasaur. On the Curioso.com website, on the left-hand side, you can help support the show by clicking on our Amazon link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. What is that name? Is that Philodipides? The top one. I would say Philodipides. (laughs) Philodipides. Okay. Hello, Mr. Robinson. I don't know. Is that a thing? Yeah, and just try to, just remember, try to talk to the microphone. Try to talk to the microphone, bitch. (laughs) Yes. Joe gets so angry at me if I don't directly talk into the microphone. Mm -hmm. I need to focus, focus into the microphone. Yes. Focus all of your anger and your hate into the microphone. Unlimited power! <laughs> exactly. All right. I'm going to try, man. I'm going to try. Right? Is it supposed to be how, yeah. how close? About right there. Like, that's how far it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right? About like that. Like, yeah. fully stretched. Fully stretched. Okay. All right. Cool. It, should I be a little closer than that? <laughs> Hold on. I'm just trying to Put figure out. Put this on your head. Right. Okay. Hello. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? Hello. Oh. Hey. Do you hear how? Hey now. Do you hear how smooth? Hey now. Hey now. Listen, hey now. Hey. Do you hear how smooth that sounds and you're actually talking to the mic instead of, hey, what's going on, Chris? Oh, I hear that. Yeah. You, that's what right. your sounds like. Hello. 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 All right. So that's that's why I'm always trying to get you. You don't have to like put it in your mouth. I have to stay in the cone of silence. Yeah, somewhere okay. in there, the cone of shame. Right. I, eventually, one of these days, uh, you are just going to be like, I'm giving you fucking headphones so you can hear yourself. Yeah. And how shitty you sound when you're not talking into the microphone. Well, do you, do you just want to keep those in your head. Because <laughs> I know how I sound. I know you do. I, I, I will. I'll time. try. I'll try and stay right here. Okay. But if I talk down like this mm-hmm. it doesn't sound any different to me like if i'm looking and i'm still like this can you hear the difference there no with me no. like this as compared to this uh you can't hear that no not really oh, man. <laughs> you're also tone deaf so. 